0: Welcome to DLA Piper's TechLaw podcast series, with me, Kit Burden, partner at DLA Piper and global co-chair of our technology sector. Welcome to today's podcast, in which I and Ashish Gupta from HL Technologies will be exploring some of the issues that arise from new artificial intelligence and automation technologies. I'd like to extend a special welcome today to Ashish Gupta from HL Technologies Corporate VP. HCL are a multinational IT services company that helps global enterprises reimagine their businesses for the digital age, including through the use of innovative technology solutions built around digital, IoT, the cloud, automation, analytics, infrastructure management, and others, thereby helping to solve complex business problems for their clients across multiple industries and geographies. Ashish, welcome to our podcast series. And for the benefit of our listeners, could you perhaps give us a brief introduction of your role at HCL, as well as a brief outline of your focus? Thanks Kit,
1: thanks for the invitation and uh, to talk to you and listeners of this podcast. I run the EMEA business of HCL Technologies. Uh, I'm also part of the leadership team uh, which runs the IT outsourcing business. HCL Technologies is a $7 billion organization. Uh, We work with large global uh, customers, you know, customers like Volvo, Unilever, Novartis, Manchester United, uh, you know, Volvo Ocean Race and so on and so forth. So when our clients really think about HCL, what they what they really think about us is an engineering company uh, with a rich heritage of, you know, a lot of technology innovations uh, and the largest R&D outsourcer in the world. A company which sort of says, we are built on relationship beyond the contract, so a strong, deep partnership with our customers and a very unique culture, which we call as employees first. As technology and, in particular, automation and artificial intelligence, you know, advance and they enable you know businesses to reimagine, uh, the, reimagine their business. HCL has been building a lot of services in what we call as our Mode One, Two, Three strategy, to enable these clients to adopt these technologies to, uh, to sort of uh, enable the business, right. Uh, and that then creates significant revenue, cost, service quality, scalability uh, in, their, in their offerings.
0: So Ashish, the markets which HL Technology serves are obviously undergoing significant changes as we see this rapid pace of development of technology, innovation in business models, shifts in sourcing strategies and so on and obviously with the backdrop of a very uncertain political and economic climate. How do you see automation and artificial intelligence fitting in with this? And In particular, how do you think that they may be set to impact or indeed transform businesses and perhaps more widely products, services and maybe even society itself? So Kit, you will agree that the role of
1: technology in the context of business has fundamentally changed. For the last 40 years, what technology has really delivered to enterprise is productivity. right? Over the next 40, 50 years, technology is going to fundamentally enable businesses to reimagine the business itself, right? Uh, Products, markets, price, the context of the customer, service, uh, scalability, all these dimensions are going to get stretched and, you know, uh, evolute completely with the enablement of technology. So, uh, you know, when I look at the whole change, I really think of it in three parts, right? The first and foremost is uh, you see that device explosion or the per- uh, pervasiveness of technology in devices is just going to go through an exponential curve, right? I'll give you an example. So, uh, HCL runs, uh, you know, p- perhaps our largest customer today, runs about 70,000 servers mm-hmm. in his data centers. We have another customer, Philips Lightning, uh, where they have about 23 million connected light bulbs which they have sold, which means these are 23 million active IT devices. They need the same care which a 70,000 server data farm does, right? Now, uh, you know, it's almost humanly impossible for, you know, a system which has been designed to handle 70,000 devices to handle 23 million just in one context. And when you think about the multitude of devices which are going to sort of start happening, uh, these are billions of devices, right? So automation and AI Will be almost fundamental to how
0: this, you know, change is really going to, uh, you know. So, that like the enablement of dealing with the sheer volume of data.
1: A- absolutely, right. So, so you know, when you have 20, the, when you have such a large number of devices, they will, uh, the, the uh, AI and automation will really enable the deduplication and the processing of this information, so that humans can then take action. Otherwise, it just you know um, makes it very difficult for humans to yeah.
0: uh, act. It almost seems as if technology needs faster decision making than human beings can manage anymore.
1: Absolutely, right. The se- second area which is really going to get impacted is data, right? With so many devices, they're going to be producing data every second, right? Just being able to consolidate that data, crunch that data, uh, you know, bring it into a format and start deli- driving insight from that is going to be an extremely critical uh, aspect. And maybe the most important is, uh, you know, device proliferation data will all then have to combine in this, in terms of what I'll call as context, right? So, so far we've said content is king, mm. but context is key today, right? And therefore, how do you get all of this to real-time combine into something which businesses can use to message to their consumers in the context of what they're doing, Right. Really needs very high, uh, you know, uh, dependence on AI type of systems, which are going to drive that, which are going to drive that, uh, you know, capability for businesses.
0: And I can think of a very good example of that in perhaps a slightly different context of uh, of driverless cars. Do so you think of that as a, as a real great example of artificial intelligence? And if you think of a driverless car communicating with all the other different cars, all the different traffic systems. Uh, to help it to make decisions about when to change lane, what speed to go in, et cetera. But to take your point about context, if it doesn't also interact with the weather systems in order yeah. to work out is the road wet or is it dry, is it icy or is it not icy, actually some of those decisions could be wrong. So if you extrapolate that, you know, the simple example into the business world, I, I think we can see exactly what you mean about the the, the context setting.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I run a car which has bits of artificial intelligence sort of built into it, right? And I know for a fact that my car can't do, for example, traffic lights today, right? Or I can't do bumps on the road, right? So the context of the driving is something which a program is right now not able to do, but it's not very far that, you know, some of those capabilities will start coming into systems. And hence, you know, right now we're in an age where automation in AI will enable the human being to perform better, that's really where we are and that's what you know businesses need to be using ai and uh, automation for uh, in terms of furthering their you know business proposition to their customer
0: so ashish um, you head up hcl technologies a business across uh, infrastructure applications digital and analytics and you're also responsible for progressing hcl services and strategy in next generation it outsourcing services So with automation set to deliver smarter, faster, cheaper, and more personalized products and services than ever before, uh, and with artificial and automation very much being at the very heart of that, where do you think some of the key challenges are going to lie?
1: Yeah. Uh, So as with any new technology, uh, we are entering a new world, right? This world is all-pervasive in the way technology is used. So it's actually going to stretch us, uh, you know, stretch existing thinking and societal, society's norms and you know uh, aspects. So let me talk, talk about three or four aspects where I think this is going to be you know quite challenging as the as the sort of change unfolds. Uh, the first and foremost is you know technology and human beings are now going to mesh be, uh, you know closer and closer together. So much so that it's going to be difficult uh, to uh, sort of uh, understand w- which was the one which made the decision, right? So in the context of accountability and hence liability, you will start to see, you will start to see, you know, issues around who's accountable, who's therefore liable, right? And a lot of issues around that are really going to start coming up. Right? It could be a favorite topic for lawyers. Yeah, it's, it's a favorite topic for lawyers. So I, I think it's almost going to reimagine or it forces us to reimagine a lot of the way in which we think about accountability and liabilities and so on and so forth, right? The second area which is going to be quite significantly, you know, uh, prevalent is security, right? Uh, so the, uh, the with a technology-pervasive environment which we are moving into, technology is also going to enable smart criminals to do sophisticated crimes, which will become almost impossible for people to manage. So security or defense in security will have to go through a different level altogether, right? The third area is obviously privacy. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, where do you draw the line between enhancing uh, the human experience versus versus a nanny state? And maybe this is not a nanny state, but a few large organizations or a few large corporations which will have so much data that they can start manipulating you know, segments and mass, right? And we've seen, you know, the US election and, you know, ca- the role which Cambridge Analytics, for example, played in some of that. So, a lot of that is uh, really going to be, you know, challenges which are what I see as the medium term challenges. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, long term uh, prediction which uh, I was attending a seminar. So, you know, one of the speakers talked about the fact that by 2040, AI is going to take over, uh, or there's a 50% chance that AI will be, you know, more intelligent than human beings. Right? Yeah, so I've
0: read something similar yeah. about that inflection point where the absolutely it gets smarter. It's, it's, than called, us. it's
1: called the singularity point, right? And at that point of at that point of time, uh, you know, uh, almost machines are smarter than humans, right? So in that context, between now and uh, let's say 2040, just about. Uh, you know, another 20, 24 years, right, you will have a massive amount of, you know, reorganization which is going to happen and impact jobs, impact people, impact society society as a whole. So, you know, I see a lot of challenges while I see all the opportunity, but I do see a lot of this which will need to be.
0: Yeah, I I once read a a very good paper uh, on this very point talking about AI on one hand being utopian, yeah. and the other hand being dystopian. Yeah. So the utopian view was AI is going to free up our time both from uh, work and play perspective yeah. to do all of the things which are more value-add, it will be enable us to be a more knowledge-led economy, everybody's going to be happier, better decisions to be made, health better managed, all of those wonderful things. But then the flip side of the coin from the dystopian view was nobody's going to have a job, the computers are going to marginalise parts of society, we'll have... Um, uh, social instability because everybody's going to have too much Absolutely. time on their hands yeah those type of challenges societal challenges i think are very interesting ones to look at
1: and those are those are going to be more uh, the most fundamental challenges which the advancement advancement of technology is really going to bring about right some of the other issues around privacy some of the other issues around security and you know technology perversity these are issues which can still be managed but There are ethical issues. There are lots of issues which we will have to, uh, you know, grapple with as a society as this technology, you know, not only becomes pervasive, but you know then tries to take over. And uh, so those those are issues which we'll have to sort of deal with as the uh, advance of these technologies sort of come
0: about. And from a legal perspective, I see that there is clearly a challenge for the heavily regulated industries, the regulators, to decide how are we going to address this? And as you've noted, I think from a more general issue, there is a perspective of do we need to change the way in which the law approaches issues of liability or are Absolutely. we just going to leave it to parties to try to negotiate outcomes um, themselves? I mean, coming back to the example of driverless cars, there is a, an open question now about whether we leave that to the insurance companies to resolve or whether we create some kind of state fund which becomes a, a, like a no-fault compensation system on the basis that if two computer programs make a mistake, nobody is, in inverted commas, to blame.
1: No, absolutely, the, you know, so th- there are massive issues which you know this new world is going to throw at uh, us, right? And in my mind, the fundamental issue is what is the role of technology and what is the role of humans, right? In let's say a 10, 15, 20 years sort of a context, right? And getting that balance right is going to be at the core of what you know i think uh, we need to start figuring out now because if we sleepwalk into it then it may be too late right uh, we've already seen what happened between you know two ai uh, chatbots which uh, which started talking in a language which the designers were not able to sort of figure out right and they had to be shut down right so these are all the issues which are going to start happening in the next uh, foreseeable future and uh, just one more thing uh, you know i think most people underestimate this uh, you know uh, in in some ways uh, the this technology is widely prevalent you know kids in dorms can start you know coding a lot of uh, things around reinforcement learning right uh, and hence the implication or the impact of this could be quite dramatic, and we could lose control very, very fast.
0: So it uh, needs a bit of thinking. You know? uh, I think that point of, of sleepwalking into things, I think, is a, a really important risk. I mean, um, we came across an example of this with some of our colleagues in the United States, where there was a client um, whose business was in um, measuring gems, so in terms <laughs> of assessing okay. them, in terms of occlusions, cut, colour, and so on. Um, which traditionally was a very highly manual, manual exercise. And they'd engaged a provider who will remain nameless for the purposes mm-hmm. of this podcast um, to implement an AI-driven solution for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, they asked us to look at the contract before they signed it, at which point we could point out to them that they were just about to sign their death warrant. Mm-hmm. because They were signing a three-year deal at the end of which the supplier would own all of the IP and the, 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 the machine learnt software. Oops which then knew absolutely everything about their business. And so literally, we're going to sign a deal which in three years' time would have enabled the supplier to knock them out of the market. So it's just understanding these new nuances in terms of the consequences of what you are creating, which I think is going to cause some interesting challenges. Absolutely. So in the light of everything that is unknown about how quickly or how far these new developments will take, um, what do you see as the key potential challenges for the IT services industry not so much perhaps just in relation to uh, ai and automation but also taking into account the impact of things like brexit and what that may mean in terms of the uh, the IT services industry in the uk
1: so uh, you know i am uh, i believe very strongly that over the long term uh, the impact of things like brexit will get dwarfed by what technology is going to unleash right Uh, But in the short to medium term, I think there is going to be some significant challenges which the political social environment is really going to sort of play and Brexit is uh, precisely that, right? Uh, So in my mind, you know, uh, uh, on one hand, the UK government is actually going to be forced to invest a lot more in creating an ecosystem where technology becomes another driver of the UK economy, right? but at the same time you know it's also going to lead to massive losses right and somewhere i feel that you know fear will start driving a lot of the social sentiment versus opportunity and dreams right and in my mind that then starts to that then starts to make very difficult choices for you know politicians at the top in terms of what is it that they uh, you know will prioritize right and those are the those are the sort of aspects which are going to you know start driving a lot of the uh, you know small to medium term type of issues, uh, and that's what we really need to be careful about. Um, yeah,
0: um, and it, certainly we can see some signs of that I think from obviously the research and development funds the government says are going to be made available for the technology industry and for R and D more generally, partially to try to offset the reduction in funding from uh, from Europe for our universities and trying to create London as a FinTech hub, which obviously is going to impact upon the kind of developments that they'll um, undertake in relation to AI and automation. But then we've got the impact of perhaps not having so many skilled and experienced individuals coming across to help um, drive that innovation.
1: Yeah. See, paradoxically, uh, paradoxically, actually, you know, uh, this path of a more open Britain or a Britain which is more connected to the rest of the world, right? Is a path which uh, which will need uh, the UK to really connect quite extensively, right, uh, to the uh, wider environment. Uh, but pressures inside the uh, inside the country, right, especially with regards to jobs, right, salaries, living standards, all of those are then you know issues which uh, you know will have to be dealt with over the next few
0: years. Of course, at one interesting angle is the relationship that we have with India, because on yeah. one hand. India, as a trading partner with all our historical connections as well, is has been identified as one of those countries that is a real priority for striking a new trade deal. So, from that point of view, it may obviously bring our our two countries much closer together. On the other hand, I can see that there are challenges in terms of certainly asking questions of the traditional offshoring model, where you have highly skilled but also less expensive labour uh, based offshore, but now automation and AI enabling some more of that to be replaced with software rather than than personnel. So that's again, I guess, a challenge that HCL is going to have to try to address.
1: Yeah, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, we've always been very automation and, uh, you know, automation centric. So when we really started this concept called remote infrastructure management, remote essentially meant doing things remotely, not offshore. Right. And it meant automation and process, uh, you know, dependency as the lever through which uh, things are going to get done, right? So, and uh, we are also one of the firms which is invested quite significantly in a, quite a large sort of local workforce. So, I necessar- I think it's a necessary condition that in all the markets which HCL works, we have to be a lot more, uh, you know, local. We have to start, sort of invest in, you know, uh, some of the technology training which is, let's say, happening in schools in colleges and, you know, Develop that ecosystem as well. So you know, I, I think it's a uh, it, uh, it's something which has to be done uh, both locally and at the same time. You have to recognize that there are skills and there is talent pools which are available. You know, in a lot of other geographies, which will need to combine together to be able to produce an impact for our customers in the UK or anywhere in Europe.
0: I mean, ultimately, would it be true to say that? Um, you'll end up being a solutions company rather than a services company. You're utilising things like automation and AI to to focus upon delivering the output to the client rather than thinking perhaps how it gets done. No, absolutely.
1: So I am a very strong believer that we are uh, are sort of getting to a stage as technology moves from, what I say, back-end productivity to front-end enablement, the relationships with our customers is going to change, right? Our relationships will have to become more outcome centric right rather than input centric and as they become more outputs uh, outcome centric we will really have to have skin in the game to what our clients impact on their markets is right and those are the type of vested relationships which we are very open and very comfortable in, in sort of investing in fact the volvo relationship is based on a lot of what we call as vested sourcing principles which enable us to you know keep the client business first and
0: everything else comes later. So thanks, Ashish, that was a fascinating insight in terms of uh, the HGL view of automation and AI. Thank you, Kit. It's been an absolute pleasure talking
1: to you. I hope we do this more.
0: We'll we'll see you again (laughs) soon, Ashish. Thank you. Do look out for further podcasts from DLA Piper as we explore the influence of emerging technologies in business and wider society. The first six podcasts, two of which focus on the future of fintech, plus others exploring blockchain, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, and crowdfunding, are already available for you to listen to on our website or may be accessed via the Apple Podcast app on iOS or SoundCloud, as well as other apps and services for Android or other phones. Thank you from me, Kit Burden, DLA Piper partner and global co-chair of our technology sector. We look forward to speaking to you again soon.